0: This is Horsepower Happenings.
1: Every once in a while you get to the racetrack and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man. I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll,
2: I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them.
0: Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews.
1: We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this: we are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straight away.
2: And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace the tire and get back out.
0: Michigan short track racing authority. This is Travis
3: Stemler. going so with driver, the Hill Racing 47. Not, this is Barry Marlow. This is 14-time ARCA champion
2: Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink.
3: And this is
1: Horsepower Happenings. Good evening race fans and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a another chilly Monday. Uh, But we're ready to go. We can see Speed Weeks from where we sit. So uh, the season is almost here, and a couple of other racing notes to talk about as well. All that and so much more coming up tonight on Horsepower Happenings. But first, let's take a look at what's going on in a motor city minute. Robert Wickens, who was left partially paralyzed after a near-fatal IndyCar crash at Pocono back in 2018. I think we all remember that. My goodness, what an accident. This driver will get back in a race car for the first time since his accident racing in the IMSA Michelin Pilot Cup Championship. Wickens will team up with uh, compatriot Mark Wilkins in uh, driving a Hyundai prepared by Brian Herta Autosport in the series season opener on January uh, 28th a four-hour endurance race that is part of the 24 Hours at Daytona race weekend. You love to see it when a driver can get back behind the wheel. Tony Kanaan, the 2013 Indianapolis 500 winner, will get another chance at his final attempt at the 500. Now, this is weird how this whole thing played out because the 104th Indy 500 was supposed to be Kanaan's farewell tour, but COVID-19 forced that race to be held without fans, and so... Now he's going to get a chance to run his final Indy 500 with Chip Ganassi uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. And so that'll be coming up here in 2022. How about Ryan Priest? This was some news that really kind of um, surprised everybody. Is that the right phrasing? And a lot of people were excited about this. He's going to be racing multiple Cup Series races for Rick Ware Racing but it actually is part of the team's alliance with stuart haas racing so priest will be behind the wheel the number 15 ford mustang starting at the inaugural Bushlight clash at the coliseum february 6th and he is contracted as a reserve driver for stuart haas racing in the cup series xfinity series um, and uh, wherever they need him really and so uh, they'll he'll be uh, able to start and i think we all kind of see what the writing is in the sand is because eric Almarola, he gone at the end of 2022 so i think priest has got some job security coming up those things and so much more happening tonight are horsepower happenings good evening welcome in i'm zach heiser rich france joins me from across the way good evening sir how are you tonight zach i am hanging in there it was a very busy weekend followed by a very busy monday but we got a, a really fun show to talk about tonight
2: yeah you know first of all zach i think um uh, I think we both need to thank everyone who reached out absolutely, to us, um, and congratulate us on our, on our Michigan auto racing fan club media award this weekend. It was so cool. I mean, we went met some great folks at the banquet. We really did have a good time. It was, it was awesome. And uh, but you know, as I have told every one of them, you know, this is a team effort. And just like we said, you know, like, like you said on the acceptance speech, um, you know, it's Gary and it's Chris and, and big Ed and, and Chuck and, and Derek and everybody that helps out here uh, that, that puts this thing together.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, uh, you know, Scott, keeping this whole thing going, paying the bills, we kind of jokingly say at the end of every show for Scott Menlin who pays the bills, but – Website hosting and uh, hosting the, the podcast page and uh, making sure that Rich and I are happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, not a light task. That's a full time job. It's in a full time job right there. So appreciate him as well. And yeah, Rich, uh, again, to echo your thoughts, thanks to everybody. Thanks to the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club, by the way, their board, and uh, Wild Bill for, for nominating us and uh, for giving us that great award and a great banquet on Saturday as well. Yeah, cool. Now, Zach, a
2: little bit of bad news. We need to get this out there because we're going to try and help somebody. Carmen West, the owner of the Crosstown Motorsports team that Kyle Crump pilots their uh, number 50 Outlaw Late Model and Template Late Model, reached out to us the other day with some sad news and asked for our help to get the word out. Uh, Brian Blackmore, Kyle's spotter, um, has been quietly fighting a battle with stage four cancer. Carmen says that the doctor's have said there is nothing more they can do for Brian. A GoFundMe page has been set up for Brian and his family to help with expenses. Um, you can go to the Crosstown Motorsports Facebook page, find the link there. Um, you know, just more sad news from our racing family, and our prayers are with Brian and his family during this difficult time. Zach will also get that, uh, well, we
1: can share that GoFundMe this week on our Horsepower Happenings Facebook page as well. All right, appreciate that for sure. How about this? Becoming the 22nd driver to top the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals presented by General Tire Nevada's Tanner Thorson wheeled his number 19 tee to victory lane on Saturday night. Chasing Christopher Bell, traffic came into play quickly and proved ineffective at giving him a shot for the pass. Slowed on lap 17, a restart saw several drivers start stepping up their line up the racetrack. Top by bottom just past lap 25. Traffic was again in the mix until 36 when Justin Grant biked the cushion. He tipped over in the second turn. Stocking the iRacing 71W, Thorson drew up the slider on lap 37, taking the lead off the fourth turn. How about this? Bell comes back, takes the lead momentarily through the first and second corners. Six laps to go. Bell on attack. Contact with the the wall, though, let Thorson get away nearly dropping to third in the process. Christopher Bell regrouped and quickly regained ground, picking up momentum to the final lap. And time would run out, though. Seabell behind Thorson, crossing the line, 0.688 second margin of victory. Tanner Thorson with the win. Seabell, Christopher Bell in second. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm enjoying all the memes and uh, funny videos of what Rick Hendrick must have thought when Chase Elliott flipped wildly through the air on (laughs) Saturday. Saturday night, uh, everybody was okay though. What did now? We wagered this last week. What did the flip tally get up to this weekend, Rich? I don't know. I I didn't. Well, I, we had to we had to miss it on Saturday. That's right? right. So
2: so I didn't see anything. But it was closing in on a hundred. I mean, it, wow. it was getting up. It was getting up there. So um, yeah, I don't. I, I think um, for for most everybody, I think the one I remember is the one that flipped down into turn one. And hung on the fence, yeah, in midair, and just stayed there. It never came back to the ground um, for another half hour later, till they could get it down. But that that was that one was pretty amazing in itself. Absolutely. What else is going on? Well, Zach uh, Mike Mahler had already let one F.K. Radens uh, Vado Speedway Park victory slip away to uh, home state driver Garrett Alberson earlier in the Wild West Shootout this week. Uh, after losing Wednesday's race to Alberson. When Marler tangled with Bobby Pierce on the final lap, Marler wasn't interested in watching another youngster beat him to the checkers twice in the same week. Jake Tim led the first 38 laps with Marler making his move and getting by on a lap 39 restart. Marler then drove away for the 50 lap victory in the Rio Grande Waste Services 50 Wild West Shootout finale on Sunday night, and to collect a cool 25 grand in the process. It will be Marler's third Wild West Shootout mini series title. Brandon Shepard would also collect two wins along the week with Marler, with Albertson,
1: and Tyler Erb collecting the remaining victories out in the desert. Wow, good stuff. How about ARCA testing down in Daytona? This uh, was catching some attention on social media. 64, did you catch that? 64 drivers participated in a two-day ARCA Menard Series preseason test at Daytona International Raceway ahead of the Lucas Oil 200 driven by General Tire it's a season-opening event on Saturday, February 19th. How about the Michigan-area drivers competing in this, or friends of the program, if you will, none other than 2019 ARCA CRA Super Series champion, Anderson, Indiana's Greg Van Alst, top of the board, 48.880. Greg is, was very excited to go down there, and, man, it showed when he got down there as well. Good speed out of the box.
2: Yeah, that you know, he, he ran last year, and, I, I you know, that's as long as you – you got a good body on the car and a good engine. I mean, really, when you get to a super speedway like that, you know, I've talked talked to guys before, and it says really, it's it's really very little driver. You just have to keep the thing smooth, yeah, and not jerk it around. Uh, that's the big thing down there at Daytona.
1: How about Daniel Dye, friend of the program? We've had him on before. Uh, Twenty Twenty CRE Super Series All American Showdown winner. Um, of course, that was down at Nashville. He won that last chance qualifier to get in. Had some great runs as well this year with the Arkham uh, East Series. And he was third quick on the board with that number 43 machine, so good job by him. Corey Heim, uh, of course, uh, competed last year for a championship. He was seventh quick on the board. Sammy Smith was ninth quick. Scott Melton, the Rockford, Michigan driver, who we've seen uh, wheel a late model around here, uh, around these parts, 28th quick for him. And uh, this was an interesting name I didn't quite recognize, Rich. Gage Rogers. The Coldwater Michigan native, behind the wheel of the 69R, 40th quick overall. Hunter Jack was down there as well. He's, of course, the ARCA CRA Super Series champion in his 01J machine, 44th quick. Brandon Varney down there to make some laps, 47th quick. Zachary Tinkle also making some laps. He struggled and was 61st quick. So some names that we recognize. You know who was down there turning laps that you didn't mention? Hit me. Tyler Carpenter. Really? Tyler
2: Carpenter was down there, yes. Uh, I think he got down there to turn some laps in an ARCA car because I, he got the truck right, I guess, but that's going to be at Knoxville, right? That's right. But
1: Tyler Carpenter was in an ARCA car this weekend. Now, not it's not that I don't believe you, uh, <laughs> but I'm definitely looking. Uh, because, yeah, that's a great point. He won the indoor race, so he's going to get a chance to run. And right there he is, 50th quick on the board for Nice Motorsports, at a 51.568. Yeah, Tyler Carpenter. Wow. I w- did not know that at all. <laughs> I
2: don't I, I I I would not think that we're going to see Tyler Carpenter in the Menards 200 at
1: at at Daytona in about a month from now. Wow. I would not think so. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Full results of course available online at com. Rich, how about our friends from uh, Champion Racing Association? They've been making some moves over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh,
2: Champion Race Association has released the entry list for the Super Late Models, Pro Late Models, Street Stocks uh, competing in the SpeedFest event at Chris Motorsports Park in two weeks' time. Uh, the traditional January event will take place on Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Cordill, Georgia. Uh, this year's Super Late Model race is sanctioned by the Arca CRA Super Series and the Southern Super Series and will be the 16th running of SpeedFest NASCAR Cup Series champions Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott are the winningest drivers in event history. The last speed fest event held in 2019 was won by Connor Okrezik, who had to hold off Kyle Busch and Harrison Burton for the win. Bubba Pollard and Chandler Smith are the only two past winners of the event currently entered for 2022. Smith won the 2018 event at Chris Motorsports Park, and Pollard claimed the victory in 2016. Two drivers from... uh, Ohio appear to be on the early entry list. Multi-time CRA champion Cody Coughlin from Delaware and Albert Francis out of Painesville. NASCAR Camping Truck Series regular and multi-time ARCA Series Super Series winner Carson Hosovar is representing Michigan on the SpeedFest Super Late Model entry list, along with former CRA and NASCAR Cup Series winner Eric Jones. The 16th running of CRA SpeedFest will be broadcast live on Racing America, Friday, July 28th is practice and qualifying day, race day, featuring super late models, pro late models, modified, street stocks, and a legend car, Zach, is on Saturday, January 29th with the first green flag flying at 1 p.m. Eastern time.
1: With that, Rich France, it's time to welcome in our first guest for the evening, and uh, we kick off Open Wheel Week, I don't, uh, a chili bowl and all that stuff. It just kind of happened uh, that this is an open wheel show. But even with the Chili Bowl, it's kind of leaning toward the asphalt side of things. Let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, I have watched this gentleman race many,
2: many times. Um, I don't, I never had the guts to drive a wing sprint car. I don't know (laughs) how he does. It was great to finally run into him at the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Banquet this weekend. Uh, He is the 2021 co-champ for the Must See Racing Sprint Car Series. Makes his home in Lorain, Ohio. Charlie Schultz, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thank you guys for having me. Man, tell me something, Charlie. Um, as many championships as you had to sit and watch Jimmy McCune win, is this a win for you to tie him?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a win uh, for us. Um, you know, I was pretty fortunate to win a super modified championship, but that's been uh, since 2010 and came close a few times while I was still running the super modified stuff and then coming back over to the sprint cars um obviously Jimmy and a few other guys have been the ones to beat but mostly Jimmy um so I mean to be able to to run up front and uh you know be pretty much on par with him this past season especially with all the adversity we had to overcome uh it's uh, been pretty rewarding
2: let's go back a little bit for anybody who who doesn't know because you've been doing this quite a while um Let's go back. What part of – when was it and when did you decide that you wanted to go wing sprint car racing? Because I think it takes a whole different level of intestinal fortitude to do that.
3: (laughs) Uh, I would have to actually say my – actually Sam Stockin, uh, which would be Chase Stockin's uh, grandfather, who obviously I'm sure you guys know from the USAC non-wing stuff, um, he gave me my first shot in a pavement sprint car uh, back in about 90 – 96 97 uh actually at Plymouth Speedway just happened to be here one night watching uh at that time the Pennzoil series and uh Sam wasn't feeling real good he asked me if I had brought my stuff with me and knew that I had run some you know TQ midgets and um uh, race carts and whatnot and uh asked me if I wanted to jump in his car for the night and of course I was fortunate enough to be able to do that and uh had a pretty good run going and then uh he asked me if i would be interested in running at the phone weekend at uh Bearfield and toledo that's back when toledo was running on sunday afternoons and uh went there to Bearfield and scored a top 10 and uh went to toledo the next day and was running pretty good and unfortunately had a, an engine come apart but uh that was really my first foray into the pavement sprint car stuff and uh just had been around the super modifieds and sprint cars here in Ohio at Sandusky and Lorraine. And, you know, it was always the battle between the roadsters and the sprint cars. And, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe I was always the underdog guy. So I always liked sprint cars better than the supers. But, uh, you know, just, uh, after we sold our TQ midget, my dad and I bought a car, um, and started racing part time with the Haw series and some with Auto value. And then, uh, that got put on the back burner and uh, started racing for George Shulick with the super modified and the roadsters around here locally. And then, uh, then moved over to Dave May owned car and ran that for 12 years and just got a little bit burned out uh, with the traveling back and forth to his shop. And uh, just wasn't having fun like I used to. And uh, my dad and John Reiser and I sat down and talked and we decided to put my, my car back together and, started running with the must series in uh late 2017
1: i want to go back to your first chance uh first opportunity to get behind the wheel uh those first three racetracks that you mentioned i don't think they could be any different from one another tight little <laughs> tight little bull ring of plymouth uh kind of a uh not exactly a wide racetrack but it has some character at Bearfield. Uh, i assume you ran on the yep. half mile right um, and yes, sir. the transition from the half mile and the three eighths is not exactly the smoothest one in history. And then of course, Toledo with, with its, you know, massive size and uh, no, no shock coming from any of us here that a, uh, engine let go for you there. Um, <laughs> talk about, talk about that. Obviously sprint cars for me, one of the most wild animals of a race car you can get behind the wheel of As rich alluded to. And then those three racetracks being so unique, what was that like for you?
3: Uh, you know, being that I was, you know, late teens, early twenties at that, when well, actually I was just out of high school then, um, ah, so that, you, know, you had all you needed naturally, <laughs> Right? Yeah, I was, I was young and dumb, you know, uh, I didn't know any better at the time. And, uh, you know, somebody told me, uh, just go out there and make laps. And, you know, I was pretty fortunate with my dad and I, we never really ran just one racetrack all the time. Uh, even when we started cart racing, we traveled, uh, whether it was road course stuff, Uh, Then getting into the oval track stuff. And then the TQ midget that I ran was, you know, they were based out of New York, but we traveled New York uh, and Canada. And, uh, you know, they had such a wide range of tracks, even with with the TQ midgets. I mean, we ran on everything from, you know, half miles down to quarter miles, high bank, flat tracks, And then, uh, you know, running indoors with go-karts. I mean, I ran open, the open class indoors at at Marion and Columbus, the old Columbus Hog Barn. And then the new hog barn now. Uh, so I mean, just you know, for me though, being able to get into a sprint car on pavement and have a lot of horsepower and being on a tight racetrack, it really wasn't much different than racing at Marion with an open motor.
1: Now, as Rich alluded to at the beginning. Uh, competition in wing sprint car racing around here pretty darn loaded uh, especially on the asphalt side of things uh, with with those guys that you're going to be competing against as he said jimmy mccune of course michigan motorsports hall of famer jason Blond comes to mind uh racing against the talent caliber like that uh in this great lakes region it probably makes you if you're going to be competitive it makes you get good quick
3: uh yeah i mean obviously you have to you have to bring your A game every week, you know, that we race. Um, I really feel this year, you know, there's been a little bit of a, I'll say a little bit of a split between, you know, there was a big split between the sprint car deal with, you know, Auto Value and Must See, you know, some years ago. Um, and then here recently, yeah, I know, you know, Tom has kind of gave up on the wing sprint car stuff. He's the one, uh, you know, with the, with the 500 series deal at Anderson. Um, so I mean, right now the, the must see deal was as far as wing sprint cars is about the only game in town. So I think you've got, you know, there was always a good caliber of cars, whether it was must see or auto value. You mentioned Jason Blunt. I mean, I've been racing with Jason, you know, since I started running sprint cars 20 years ago, he's only gotten better. Um, you know, Jimmy McCune and, and his dad and their team, you know, they, they bring three solid pieces every week. Um, you know, we run a second car, it's a it's a pretty competitive piece. You know, then you get Kevin Feeney. a guy like Kevin Feeney shows up. You know, he can be a he can be a spoiler sometimes. And then you have Joe Lagory and Troy care that, you know, those are guys that are they're not they're not used to running up front. So, I mean they can they can get the job done as they've proven in the past. So I really feel like this year coming up, it's probably gonna be one of the most competitive years in, in my Seed. Um and that you can
2: have on any given night,
3: you know, six, eight guys that can win.
2: Charlie, let's let, we got to talk about this a little bit on Saturday, and that's about sprint car racing itself. Um, you know, Auto Value bumper to bumper kind of went with the no no wings um, with that 500 series. Um, tracks aren't a lot of tracks aren't willing to bring the wing sprints back because, I mean, to be honest, you guys are just going so darn fast. Like we talked about. You know, somebody was gonna get hurt or 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 killed at the speeds you guys were running. Where do you think this is gonna go? Is, are, is there a way to bring sprint car racing with wings back on pavement, or is it about where it's gonna be? Do you think?
3: Uh, I mean, there's there's always gonna be people that are you know I'll call them traditionalists or purists that are all about non-wing cars. Um, you know, I've done it a little bit here and there, but. There's just something about driving a wing car that, I mean, it, it sets the men from the boys um, and not taking anything away from any of the non-wing guys. But, uh, you know, we talked about like Toledo Speedway. You know, when we were running the supermodified or sprint car to Toledo, the, the cars are just under so much of a load there, so much stress, strain. It's tough on engines. It's tough on chassis components. Obviously, non-wing is not quite as hard on things. But when you crash, it really doesn't matter if you crash with a wing or without. But, uh, you know, tracks like Berlin, you're going fast. But the way the track kind of falls off, especially with the American Racer tire and how it proceeds through the night, you get a pretty good idea of, you know, we've got guys that are starting, you know, 6th, 8th, 10th that can work their way to the front at the end of a 30-lap run. Um, You know, we were just... At the end of the year, we were in Alabama, and, you know, both nights provide some really good side-by-side passing. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say that it's going to be any better. Um, maybe there's going to be a few guys that are coming from, you know, that don't necessarily want to run non-wing. They've got wing cars. They've got wing motors. They're going to run wing race cars. Um, you know, I take Jason Blount, for example. I mean, I know they ran some non-wing stuff to support Tom. Um, but you know, I know Jason's more of a wing sprint car guy. Um, so they don't see that you're going to get like 30 plus cars every night, but you know, there's some other guys that are moving up from the must see lights series. Um, you got JJ Hennis coming up. Um, he had, uh, Steve Sexton's son, Josh Sexton. Uh, you know, he, he's moving up to a 410 car this year. So you're going to gain some cars. I mean, depending on how, People want to travel and what races they want to go to. I mean, there's might see 24 cars.
2: Now, last time you guys, last time you guys were at Toledo, uh, Brian Gerster set the track record in the 11 second bracket. Um, is that too fast for Toledo? And can they make some rules to put into to these cars to go back to these tracks just to slow them down a little bit?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, to me, open wheel racing has always been about bringing. You, you got a real thin rule book, you know, we don't want to, you know, it's kind of the same deal with the super modified, you know, everybody want to put rules in put rules in and try and keep costs down and everything else. And sometimes the more rules you're right, the more expensive things get, um, you know, the tires at the time, you know, that was a, that was obviously on a Hoosier tire. Um, you know, the Hoosier tires, everything that I've ever run on them, you know, they are fast right off the of rip. Um, but as the night goes on, they typically fall off, but, you know, they would have to work, I think a lot with tire manufacturers, whether it be Hoosier or American racer, um, you know, maybe change compounds or something like that. Um, you know, the wings are, they really haven't changed a whole lot in the last probably 10 years. I'll say, you know, we're a lot of dish wing, but if you say, Oh, you got to run a flat top wing. Well, now you just cost everybody, you know, $800 to $1,000 because they got to change top wings. So I guess, you know, to answer your question, I don't think there's really a whole lot you can do short of, you know, changing tires maybe um, to the cars to, to really slow them down any, um, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, people want to see a, I think that was always one of the draws at Toledo was the qualifying, you know, it was for the Supers, or the Sprint cars, you know, people want to see how fast we could go. And that was one of the things that drew the crowd in, but obviously, again, the, the night the racing was good too. So I, I really
2: don't think there's a way that you can
3: slow down open wheel cars necessarily without kind of
2: revamping the whole deal. I think what I think what scared them was several years ago um, when I, I think Terry Gibson died in a modified, uh, a super yeah. modified there, and <clears throat> that kind of brought it to front and center. You know, when you have something bad like that happen.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you're kind of picking out Toledo as one of the faster tracks, which it definitely is. But, you know, there's a certain amount of – as a driver, you have to have a certain amount of respect for any racetrack, but you have some respect or a little bit more respect for certain tracks that you go to or that you've been to multiple times. You know, anytime we go to Toledo, there was always a kind of a pretty strict regimen about some stuff that got replaced before you went to Toledo to race. Um You know, when I ran Winchester a couple of times, you know, there was things that got replaced before we went to Winchester. You know, I know when them guys went to Bristol a few years back, you know, it was, they were putting new radius rods and hind joints and right front spindles and hubs. And, you know, it just kind of goes back to that whole deal about trying to help save some money. But, you know, some of these tracks you go to, it ended up costing you more money because of the upkeep that you have to do. Compared to going to some place like Plymouth, you know, obviously two totally different separate racetracks.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned what the fans want from a track like Toledo or from even this race car, this uh, pavement sprint car. Because, <clears throat> and fans of our show probably know where I'm going because I've asked this question from other people like Jimmy McCune and and Jason Blonde. These wing sprint cars are so fast that when it comes time to do something other than qualify. Um, Charlie, I'm not sure where the entertainment value is for the fans because two, three laps after you guys take the green, everybody's pretty well spread out is, I mean, that's what I feel like I see from wing pavement, sprint car racing. What are you, uh, what's your take on that?
3: I mean, yeah, there, there, there's some truth to that, that, yeah, you're, you get strung out a little bit. Um, you know, over the years, obviously everybody's heard the term clean air, dirty air. Sure. Um, and, and, in a wing, any kind of wing car, it's, that's even more critical. So once you get rolling and you get the winds kind of stirred up and very turbulent, your third, fourth, fifth, sixth car back in line, you are really at a disadvantage unless somebody in front of you has a severe issue and, or makes a, a big mistake. Um, so, I mean, starts and restarts are obviously where you can make the most ground, but there are some tracks that, and, and the higher the speed the track, I think the worse it gets, sure. i.e. someplace like Toledo. Um, but there's been nights that we've run Berlin, which is a fairly fast track, but you know, you get strung out, but you know, after about five, six laps, a guy that was a straightaway ahead of you, you're reeling them in, in two or three laps, you know, and getting by them. And I feel like the smaller the track, the better the racing is sometimes. Um, the bigger the track, I think sometimes what you said is very true. You get strung out and it's kind of follow leader And, single file and there's not a whole lot of passing going on
1: well let's talk about uh, your accomplishments uh specifically i want to talk about what happened in 2021 you were just recognized on saturday by the michigan auto racing fan club banquet and i said uh, that i was surprised that border patrol let you up here uh to accept <laughs> your award but they did um and so charlie i want you to explain for those maybe who missed it or had forgot or or just weren't quite sure what happened this year anyhow what was Must See Racing's mo this year? What exactly were you and Jimmy battling for? What was that? Uh, I mean, do you is th- is this a season championship under their banner, or what is this?
3: Uh, so yeah, it is a season championship under their banner. Um, this before the 2021 season started, obviously, you know, with everything that happened in 2020, you know, with the COVID and uh, you know just a lot of things changing in everybody's lives. Um, Jim decided that he was not going to make. 2021 season necessarily points championship season so it was you know we had our season opener down in anderson south carolina it was definitely it was made as a non-points race so if somebody didn't feel comfortable traveling that far they weren't forced to do so to be able to to be involved in the points race um he had kind of moved it down to a mini series i'll call it between our race at uh, indianapolis speedrome uh m40 Lorraine, and, uh, oh, man, I'm coming to blank. (laughs) Uh, So it was basically a four-race mini series, And then at the end of the season, we had our final show at Alabama. And that, again, was not a necessary points race. So you didn't force guys, which, you know, Jimmy McCann had taken their car out to run the Pink Lady Classic in Idaho. Had trouble with you know their toter getting broke down and they had to borrow a toter so they were no position really to be able to get to Alabama to be able to run for points so for them it was kind of a blessing in disguise that it wasn't a points race um, you know for us the first night down in Alabama or in uh, Anderson South Carolina um, told a race car you know got caught up in a, in a first line crash involved six eight cars and a uh, car that I've basically my dad and I bought in 1999. Uh, it's sitting outside next to the shop. was a twisted hunk of metal. Wow! And uh, I was very fortunate. Um, th- Thankfully, to John Hennis, who I raced supers with for a number of years. Now his sons, you know, coming up through the ranks with quarter midgets and sprint cars. We had a car sitting at our shop that belonged to John that we had helped him put together for his son. They did not have an engine yet. Um, John offered that car to us. He said, if your engine's okay, put your engine in my car, take it, and race it. And we did pretty – oh, Kalamazoo was the other show for us. Uh, so, you know, first time in the car was Kalamazoo, and we had a top-five run going. And, unfortunately, I spun with a few laps to go on a restart, uh, and I think we ended up sixth. You know, we'd go to Speed Drone and uh, end up winning that deal, go to M40, finish second to Jimmy that night. And then between – the m40 show and the Lorraine show john was pretty sure they were going to have their engine done and he said oh, i kind of hate it but i need my car back <laughs> so forced us to i had some leads on another car uh, found a hurricane champion it was basically a bare frame and a lot of parts and purchased that car and with my girlfriend and john reiser and adam and uh few other people we with a car together basically in a month and took it to Lorraine and had a good day going up until the very first lap of the feature I spun on on the start and unfortunately got t-boned by a back marker and didn't finish the race so that's how Jimmy and I ended up in a points tie.
2: Charlie tell me about this Midwest Lights series because uh, you ran that as well Uh, you finished sixth in the points but Either you didn't go the first night or something happened because you had zero points. And most of the rest of the season, you dominated, it looks like to me. Um, Yeah, we. uh, Kind of talk about that series.
3: So that was a deal that um, the former owner of Larry County Speedway, Kevin Bonema, he wanted to get uh, a class started that was some kind of a, uh, basically a a stepping stone to obviously 410 cars. Um, but giving people an option, something other than, uh, pavement modified as far as, you know, what they typically run everywhere. Um, they, he came up with the idea, put a 602 crate Chevy motor in it. Um, and they built one car to kind of try and get the thing going. And they had a few just different people hot lap the car. And then the following year, um, John Rice and I got involved with, with Kevin and kind of helped them build the class. We put a couple cars together, uh, raced them, sold them to to different people. And then uh, that car, the class started to take off a little bit. They were getting eight to ten cars. And uh, then the Kevin Bonima decided that he was no longer going to own Warren County Speedway. He wanted to sell the racetrack. Another gentleman came in. It didn't go very well. I think he made it two or three nights. And then the track sat dormant for basically a whole season. And then um, the Maggio family came in the following year, purchased the track from Kevin Bonham, and they also own another track here on the east side of Cleveland, Painesville Speedway. Um, and they've been doing a partial schedule. Well, during that time where there was no Warren County Speedway, these guys that had these crate cars had no place to race, basically, Um, John Hennis had kind of taken it under his wing a little bit to try and get some races at some different tracks. You know, we had a a few races here or there that season and that following winter, Jim Hanks approached everybody. If they were interested, he would basically take it over and promote it for them. Uh, So two years ago, he took over the series. They renamed it the Midwest flight series. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he's done a good job. I mean, we've had uh, some really good shows. Uh, Shady Bowl Speedway, we had – obviously, we were at Kalamazoo with the 410 cars. We were at Lane with the 410 cars. So, physically, they look a lot the same. Obviously, the speeds are totally different. But, uh, you know, now you've got some guys that have run that crate class the last few years that are starting to move up. You know, I know, like I said, Josh Sexton, he's going to move up. Um, J.J. J he's – got a car, they're finishing up a motor, and, you know, he's going to be running some 410 races with us this year also.
1: Well, uh, Charlie, <clears throat> congratulations on your uh, championship with Must See Racing. I think the last thing that probably we need to figure out is, do we know what the plan is for 2022 here as we uh, sit toward the middle part of January?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we're going to run the the entire uh, Must See schedule again with uh, 410 cars. Um, you know, John Reis and I got the the two-car team there uh, with my car and his car with Adam Bills driving, you know, the 8A. Um, and, you know, Jim's done a pretty good job getting a nice schedule together. It's not too packed on top of each other. Uh, there's a big show at Kalamazoo, two-day show up there, two complete shows with both the 410 cars and the, the lights cars. Uh, we have a big show at Lorraine. I think there's some I was told that there's some big news coming out in the next day or so about that race on August 6th. Um, That's going to be a good show. You know, we have the uh, Dixie Bertrand, whichever one you want to call it these days, uh, twice. And then uh, going back to Berlin again, which is where I got my first most seen win.
1: Yeah, it's a good schedule. uh, Good schedule look for you then, huh? (laughs) You like to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, where can folks follow along with you and what you've got going on?
3: Uh, pretty much just uh, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. I got my Facebook page. You can just you know follow me along on uh on my on my personal Facebook page. Charlie Schultz on Facebook. Uh, you know, uh, it's Jim's got a good deal going with uh, Mad TV and Speed Sport TV. Um, so I believe the Kalamazoo Show, the Speed Drum Show, and maybe Lorraine. I don't remember which one for sure. Uh, you know, they're gonna be tape delayed on Matt TV, so I just follow along on Matt TV and look for us on there, and uh, you know, I've been doing this for since I was four years old, and I'm 43 now, so I'm, I'm where I'm at in my career, and I'm, I'm happy. I'm enjoying racing, enjoying life, and uh, you know, it's not too much about trying to get to NASCAR anymore these days. It's just about you know, having a good time, and, and uh, being able to race and do what I love to do
1: well charlie man congratulations uh, it was a pleasure to get a chance to meet you on saturday congratulations on your championship and hey good luck in 2022 who knows maybe we'll see you at a racetrack along the way
3: yes absolutely it was a pleasure meeting you guys too you know it's kind of a little bit odd how we met congratulations to you guys and uh wish you a lot of success with the with your uh, show and uh obviously in 2022 for you guys um or of a racing a you i wish you the best
1: i appreciate that that's charlie schultz he's the champion of the must-see racing sprint car series for 2021 look for him again in 2022 really want to say thanks to charlie for joining us uh what a what a man well-spoken if nothing else uh he can clearly drive a race car rich but we might want to keep him on our radar for later
2: <laughs> yeah you know like like i said i've i've seen him drive i don't know how many times um you know at toledo speedway and that man has no fear whatsoever like anybody else right who drives a wing sprint car on pavement um i would never have the guts to do it um even in my younger age when he's st- you know when he started uh, you know 20 some years ago so um no it was great uh, we met charlie on saturday had a great conversation glad he came on um and good luck to charlie the rest of you know, in 2022,
1: somebody else who's probably seen Charlie Schultz a time or two is uh, Hall of Fame announcer Gary Lindahl. And it's time. I cannot believe it. But it is time again for another edition of Gary. Did you know Gary Lindahl joins us on the program? Good evening, Mr. Lindahl. How are you? I'm
4: doing great. And congratulations on you, uh, your award at the fan club
1: on Saturday night. I appreciate that. And congratulations to you, that too. We nice. consider you part of our team. So uh, that's a win, col- win in the column for you, too, my friend. Yeah, you gotta love that. So, uh,
4: and uh, you're right. I have uh, I have seen Charlie many times. In fact, I think he's the only guy in the fastest short track show in the world that ever was quick time, a super modified quick time in a sprint car on the same night.
1: Well, how about that? We should have talked to Gary before we talked to Charlie.
4: <laughs> because, well, you know, and the reason being is he drove Dick Myers' '50 car. I don't know where Gerster was or one of those guys. Yeah. But he was driving his seven car, uh, super modified and they put him in the 50 car. Well, you know what happened there? he was fast. Yeah. He's fast and everything he drives. It's like good a good bo- guy too.
1: It's like a bonus round of Gary. Did you know, we just got a freebie on information from Gary didn't even have to work for you. He just gave it to us. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't have to work very hard at all. Uh, Rich, why don't you help lead us into uh, this week's uh, or this month's edition of the show?
2: Yeah. You know, I got to thank Gary because, um, he gave me a chance this week. I knew the first three questions. Yeah.
1: Okay. now I, I, I didn't know the last one, but I
2: knew the first three nice, hands down.
1: Nice. All so, right. Let's get us well, into gonna get, it.
2: We're going to get started with question number one. Go ahead, Gary. All
4: right. And I give you a chance. I'm giving everybody a chance. I'm trying to do that. So who did Lindahl co-announce with before Rich France?
1: Now, I would have it would have taken a, uh, a key moment in my memory bank to come up with this. But I do know this gentleman, and as a matter of fact, I got this guy to tell some some Rich France stories uh, last time I That's, had a chance to talk with him.
4: Oh, and I'm uh, I'm sure he had some as well. Oh, I know it, he did. It
1: wasn't the year before I started. It was several. It was
2: it was several years. You, back, oh, yeah. But, it
4: was uh, it was several years before.
2: Yep, because because Gary went true. solo for quite a while.
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. So,
2: okay, uh, okay. Question no. number two.
4: Number two. This longtime car owner. And Builder was simply known as Grumpy.
1: I didn't have one for this one. This one was out of my league.
2: I have no, you would not believe how many thousands and thousands of dollars I spent over at this man's shop. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. awesome I think think for 24 out of my 25 years, he built my bodies. So I know the answer to this question.
4: Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so you had to know that one.
2: Yep, absolutely. That was I, I like that. That's a and it's a nice remembrance of him, Gary. I'm glad you threw that one in there.
4: It really is cuz uh, you know, we were we were good friends too, so. And we'll move on to question number 3. And I personally like this one myself. The 2006 Glass City 200 was known for the Simcoe windshield jump.
1: But who won the race? Man, <laughs> Almost (laughs) nobody cares, Exactly. I know, but we won the race. Yeah, I did not know the answer to this one. Of course, I knew the incident. Everybody knows the incident. Um, Well, sure. I
4: mean, it was a pretty famous incident on the deal.
1: It was fun. uh, I want to say that for our fans listening, you can go back and listen to any of our shows anytime. We had Michael on earlier this season and and, uh, had a chance to break that whole thing down for a little bit. So that was pretty cool. You
4: know, actually, in 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 Michael's defense, they never showed a picture of his car. That's, yeah, he you're right. He was on the lead lap St. Dennis wasn't, and his car was a lot of sheet metal in turn four.
1: <laughs> are you saying that his...
4: <laughs> but they never showed that.
1: Are you saying his acrobatics might have been justified, Gary?
4: I'm thinking a little <laughs> bit, but, uh, you know, that's one, that's one of those few moments in your announcing days where you just go, wow, that's all I had, wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, he had his helmet with him, so I thought it was going to be the traditional helmet toss. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we're looking for the winner,
1: winner of that Glass City edition. Okay, that'll be fun. Yes.
4: Okay, question number four. I kind of threw this out here. It's a little bit farther out, but it's definitely in the Midwest.
1: Yeah, for sure.
4: This driver is considered the king of Mount Lawn Speedway.
1: Our friends from see, the
4: beauty of me doing this live with you guys is I can give you a little insight. Oh, yeah. I like that. He is he is a feature winner at Toledo Speedway and he also drove a school bus at Toledo Speedway and I'm just going to leave it at
1: that. And also if you have any connections to our friends with CRA, call Greg Wood. Greg Wood loves Mount Lawn Speedway. I think he grew up down there, so he <laughs> might be able to help you out.
2: yeah i think when i i didn't know this answer but i think i think some of our fans below the south of the border will get this i I think think so um, too i I, would think so they might might not get the rest of
1: them but they'll get that one
4: (laughs) exactly but you know i was trying to make it you know has anybody got them all yet
1: no we're still i think we're still waiting on somebody we had a couple that were Really? really close three or four of them but not all of them
4: well they would have had a pretty good shot at this one this is a like good Rich one. said, he had three out of four pretty quick. This is a good one.
1: Gary, so, I want to say thanks for doing. Uh, Gary, did you know we appreciate that? Also, this is the first one of the New Year, so happy New Year to you, sir. Appreciate it.
4: Happy New Year to you as well.
1: All right, Gary, that's going to do it for this week. We'll uh, reveal the answers in uh, next week's program, if Rich and I remember. That sometimes is the hard part. <laughs> okay. Re- is revealing the answers. Gary, appreciate you. Thanks so much.
4: All right,
1: see ya. Time for the final interview of the night, Rich France. And this is something we don't get a chance to do a lot, but we love to do it when we can. Uh, and that's bring on one of our uh, female cohorts from the auto racing industry onto the show tonight. Let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, uh, this is a little different. Uh, this, this young lady will jump in an open-wheel
2: car whenever she has the opportunity. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background, she is the, she. is no other female has started more... Um, Usac Silver Crown, USAC, yes, yes. yes. Then she has. She started thirteen of them, and she's she just became this fall, this last fall, the first female to win a sprint car race at the Berlin Raceway. She makes her home in Shelby Township, Michigan. Taylor Ferns, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Hey, t- talk. Take us back to uh, take us back to Berlin, then we'll then we'll work on this past week. How thrilling was that? I, walk, I watched the video, and, boy, you and that car looked awful strong.
0: Yeah, thanks. Um, I was really excited to be at Berlin. Um, obviously, it's a track that's more so one of the local tracks closer to home for me, um, growing up from on the east side of the state um, in the Macomb area. So um, I was really excited about that. I knew we had a great car, and, um, obviously, it was super relevant thanks to my sponsor, the San Bernardino Law Firm we had had shot a commercial there over the summer. So it was really cool to interact with the promoter while we were there. And, um, I felt like we put on a great race. I know we had a strong car and I'm excited to get back there this summer and hopefully pull off a few more wins.
2: And now you, you spent the last week out in Tulsa, right? Uh, at the chili bowl. Now a female did make it to the finals. Just, uh, just the wrong one, right?
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I know this was my first uh, dirt race, especially being back at the Chili Bowl in eight years, but also my first dirt, dirt midget race in eight years and then my first dirt race in six years. So um, I know that the odds were kind of like against me in a way, obviously going up against some World of Outlaws drivers and um, obviously guys and gals that have race dirt midgets all year long. But um, I felt confident in my team driving for Bob East, obviously a legend the in the open wheel and new World realm which I was super grateful for and appreciative of um but also I had really high expectations for myself because even though it had been a while since I'd been in a dirt car um I just felt like even though I was away from the dirt track I still really never lost that feel per se um but just with the kind of like a lot of the stuff that happens at Chili Bowl is kind of circumstantial like a lot of racing um, so disappointed in the way of our actual turnout, but in ways kind of proud of what we were able to put together. And then also for not being in a dirt car for that long. Um, I mean, we could have definitely gone much worse, but I feel like we could have definitely done much better, but, um, hopefully we can maybe put something together, uh, for this year, maybe do some more dirt racing, whether it's silver crown or midgets or spring cars.
1: You know, it's interesting. We talk about athletes coming out of retirement, uh, you know, or, or trying to do something that they haven't done in a while um, and the training that they have to do and to prepare. And so for you, it's going from racing primarily asphalt to now I have to try to get ready in a midget in a dirt setting, um, two things that you either haven't done separately or haven't done together in such a long time. And we saw on social media that you were testing a little bit. What were you doing to prepare for this race?
0: Yeah, so um, essentially what we did, like I know the little clip that I posted on social media for testing was um, we had gone to a local track in Indiana that I had actually grown up racing micro sprints at when I was younger, US 24 in Logansport, Indiana. yeah. yeah. And um, really, we just made 10 laps, I made 10 laps and then I stopped and Bob was like, okay, we're good. I've seen what I need to see. Let's put it in the box. And <laughs> I was just so excited to be, I was so excited to be back on dirt. I was like, come on, Bob, like, let me do 10 more. Yeah. Um, and so we did, we literally only made like 15 or 20 laps. And, um, I obviously had a ball because one of the reasons why I wanted to do the chili bowl was because I felt confident in what we were going to be able to do, but also cause I was super stoked to be back on dirt. um, but that was kind of more so like the in-seat training that I did sure. um, in addition to watching. I watched a ton of like dirt racing all year round, like whether it's the World of Outlaws, which I'm a big fan of. Like I love sprint car racing, um, but also watching like the USAC National Midgets and so on and so forth. But really nothing beats your actual seat time, especially being in a dirt car because it's such a different technique. Um, and so I, that's kind of like the part that was more green for me. Um, and definitely after like my prelim night on Monday night, I kind of, I was like, you know, I know I still got it. It's just a matter of dusting off an old bookshelf, right? (laughs) Um, because I know I still have those skills, but, um, I was actually really hoping for more so like a two lane actual dirt track on Monday night. And it was kind of like, follow the, follow the duck on the bottom, which, Mm um i love ripping the top so <laughs> um but i mean i had a great time at chile bowl like obviously super fortunate to have that opportunity um, and hopefully we can do something more with it because i'd love to do some more dirt racing
1: and you picked a heck of a time to go out there you mentioned uh the the, the prep and and how hard it was to race your way into the show um a number of first-timers and an unbelievable amount of talent out there um did you get a chance to mingle with anybody pick anybody's brain or uh, i mean uh make a connection out there while you're there we know that for our industry sometimes that's the biggest part is uh, it, it's who you know
0: yeah no, no for sure a lot of it is like i always say like it's more of uh, who you know than what you know right so um i mingled a lot with my teammates um, especially Damien Gardner, He gave me a ton of great pointers and like things I could do, and also more so from like a mental standpoint about when you're on the track, what to think about and what to do and so on and so forth, and just kind of refresh my muscle memory of racing on dirt. So um, that was really awesome, and just trying to connect with um, some old partners, I guess you could say, or people that I worked with uh, growing up. Um, I know one person that I didn't get to see that I really wanted to say hi to that I used to race with growing up was Corey Kruseman. Um but just seeing uh, some a lot of um, drivers that I haven't that I've grown up with and haven't seen like Tyler Courtney and Taylor Courtney and uh, some of the other drivers it was really cool to kind of see my old buddies I guess you could say.
2: Now the last time I saw you race was in October at the Raleigh Beale Classic, right at Toledo. I think everybody showed up there, and it's like, okay, Cody Swanson's probably going to win. We're all running for second. Is that how you look at it, or do you, when you when you jump in a Silver Crown car, do you
1: change your expectations, or do you expect to win? I just want to say really quick that I hope that she slams you for that because she's a race car driver. (laughs) Of course, she didn't show up thinking Cody Swanson's going to win, right? No. (laughs)
0: I showed showed up prepared to see myself in victory lane. (laughs) You're
1: darn right she did, Rich France. My Lord in heaven. Thank you, Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, no
0: problem. No, but to answer your question, I mean, I don't think like any of us, I mean, we all, when we go to the racetrack, want to win, right? But um, I think for the most part, I know what not only my car is capable of doing, but I know what I'm capable of doing in a race car. And I think just having that confidence... And like having a strong run for my first race back in a crown car in seven years at IRP at the beginning of the year um, kind of like reinitiated my confidence and um, so that like I can compete with some of these guys that do this all the time, like the Justin Grants and the Bobby Santoses and the Cody Swansons of the racing world. So I kind of went into Toledo with high expectations. Um, we qualified fifth, so that kind of, like, reinvigorated me to show that, like, we could contend for at least a podium, if not a win, um, in a way disappointed in our result because we had to start from the tail, but also super proud of the amount of cars we were able to pass, um, and the ground that we were able to make, and also just show that, like, I'm not there to just be driving Miss Daisy, (laughs) like, I want to win, I can compete with some of the best, and, um, I don't mess around, like, I can go toe-to-toe with the best.
2: And and I guess that's my fault for asking that, but, and and you gotta remember, you were just coming off the big win at Berlin right before that. Yeah, and that
0: was also a big confidence booster. Um, Obviously, racing at Berlin, and, like, Bobby is a super great competitor, and I love racing against him, but obviously, he's killer on the racetrack, like, one of the guys to beat, right? So, Mm. um, obviously, when you go to the track, like I said before, you go to win, but if you can beat Bobby, you're going to be in for a win. So, um, he's a great guy, great competitor. Um, and it was cool to race against, um, like one of my former teammates and someone i worked closely with Dakota Armstrong. Um, so that was cool also because we had to kind of like race for it. Right. It was a, it wasn't really a matter of starting on the pole, um, and winning the race. Like I think I started three or something like that, but, um, yeah, that was really cool and proud to kind of be at like somewhat of a home track and win. Um, and especially, like, it was a big deal for my firm, too, because winning in Grand Rapids, that's one of our big marketing um, sectors. So, um, pretty special all around.
1: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that, too. Uh, the, the there's not, uh, It's not just a good marketing strategy, or maybe it is. I don't know. I, I shouldn't assume. I should ask you. Uh, what is the connection with the law firm with Sam Bernstein law firm um, and uh, your racing career and what you what you're doing Uh, there. There's um, there's a uh, professional connection there for you as well, right?
0: Yeah. So um, I work there currently full time um, in an operations role. Um, I will have worked there for four years in May. Uh, That was like really my first real job out of college um, and in addition to that, I go to law school. Um, and so that was like one of my big reasons for wanting to work there and applying there was because, um, after taking some time off from racing and getting my undergraduate degree, um, I decided during that time that I wanted to go to law school. So, um, was studying for the LSAT while working full time for the Golden scenes and getting my master's degree and getting back into racing at the same time. So, um, kind of like a master juggler in a way, but, um, the the Bernstein's have been really supportive in any, in all of my endeavors, like whether it be law school or especially my racing, um, and it's something that I think that they're pretty proud of. So when it came down to kind of talking about maybe doing a sponsorship deal, I thought it would be a really great thing. Like, especially being involved with the firm and me working there and kind of, working with the marketing department in a um, small way um, I thought it'd be really beneficial for them Mm -hmm. Um, just as far as like the demographics go and kind of like our target market clientele and so on and so forth so um, I had introduced the idea to my direct boss and she thought highly of the idea and we talked about it with the Bernsteins and they were really on board so um, it was cool of how it could all kind of culminate together. and come together.
1: And the other cool thing that is that uh, if, if something doesn't go the right way for you on the racetrack, uh, you know, it's 2022, everybody's Sue happy. So, uh, you know, hey, if you get dumped on the racetrack, you know what to do uh to keep everybody in line no i'm just kidding um so let's talk about moving forward uh obviously i think this is exciting for you you get the win in 2022 you have some good speed you qualify well uh you go out to tulsa what are we looking for what is this morphing into in 2022 are we going to see taylor ferns kind of uh back on the loud pedal as far as racing more often around our area
0: Uh, Well, I for sure hope so to start that off. Um, I have like some personal intentions of uh, possibly trying to race the entire like 500 sprint car tour that they just started to kind of take over for the auto value sprint series um, with my non-winning payment sprint car. So I'm hoping to do all of those races. Um, and then in addition to like one of my goals for this year was to run the entire USEC silver crown schedule um, under the assumption that we could get a hold of in some way a dirt silver crown car um, which has been a pretty tricky task so yeah, I bet <laughs> um, yeah we'll we'll see about that but um, if I can't run the full schedule at least run all the payment silver crown races because I really really Want to get that Silver Crown win? I know that uh, we're capable of doing it, um, so I think that would be pretty special for me, and that's one of my goals for this upcoming season. Where so, do you env-
1: where do you envision that uh, could come at? Where is there a track that you're like, if if I was going to get my first Silver Crown win, this could be where where the money shot is?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I have high hopes for Toledo, but I'm keeping my options open for IRP too. You oh, know, okay, you keep- there you go. Maybe we can score both of them.
2: <laughs> Taylor, but, talk, to, talk to me real quick about, um, you know, you, you've you just been back racing. You took a couple of years off from racing. Um, it wasn't that you just weren't running running anything on the dirt. You took a couple of years off and didn't race. Talk about that.
0: Uh, yeah, so I had been uh, living in Indiana. I was going for my freshman year of college, And I was living down there, uh, racing, working at the shop, Um, and it was just decided to just focus on my education and focus on my schooling and kind of just be more involved with that. So um, I transferred to Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's degree in 2018. Um, and then that's kind of like when I had taken some time off there just to kind of be more involved with school and a part of a business fraternity and networking, um, and so on and so forth. And then that's when I got my job. Um, but even when I was off from racing, I obviously like really missed it. Like that was something that had been at that point in time, a part of my life for 15, 16 years, 24, seven, um, like I'm a kid, I missed 60 days of school a year in high school. So <laughs> that was a big change for me, but, um, you know, a great growth opportunity, um, and just a way to adapt to different environments and learn from other people. Um, so yeah, but even though I was off, I was still, um, watching racing, um, when I could, even though it was hard for me to watch cause I wanted to be racing. Right. Like I'm, uh, right like I'm possessed and obsessed with racing. So um, glad to be back and fortunate that I'm able to do some of the racing that I've been able to do and be involved um, with some of the people I've been able to.
1: Now is the last question here is the short-term plan, or maybe it's the long-term plan to kind of keep that, well, and as you mentioned, you'd like to try to run the full Silver Crown schedule. Um, but once you're done with law school to really try to ramp that back up, or do you think your time's going to be uh, even more pulled once you're done with school?
0: Um, you know, I think uh in the long term I'll always be involved with racing no matter what. Um, as long as I can drive and be competitive and win, um, I'm gonna do it for as long as I can. Um, as far as like the rate actual driving aspect goes. Um, but I don't even wanna say like I'm even like thinking about being having a car owner role because I just wanna focus on the racing right now. Like that's my mentality is being a driver. Sure. But um I would like eventually like to own my own team and maybe have like a development program of some sort um, and help like possibly like other up and coming, not only just female drivers, but younger up and coming drivers in general um, that need the opportunity or like the opportunity to uh, grow and prosper. So, um, but right now I'm just, fo- I'm really focused on driving and winning and just following my passion. Cause I feel like whenever you do that, obviously for the most part, I feel like great things happen. Of course. So um, I definitely want to be a driver for as long as I can be and remain competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just one of my main things right now.
1: Taylor, where can folks, uh, I know I found you on social media. You've got a nice Facebook page there that's well manicured. Where can folks follow along with you as you uh, really uh, kick things back up here in 2022? Uh,
0: Yeah, they can follow me. I have a racing Facebook fan page just, at Taylor Ferns um, on Instagram or Twitter, which I've been trying to make uh, more use of, um, and then I also have a website, TaylorFerns.com, which I'm hoping to update and keep more up to date here soon. So, um, yeah, if they want to follow some of my social media. Um, They can follow along with
1: some of my racing. Awesome. Taylor, congratulations on your success here in 2021. Glad you had a good time out in Tulsa. And uh, looking forward to, uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to see you at a USAC race or some other sort of sprint car event here in 2022.
0: Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time.
1: Well, I want to say thanks to Taylor for joining us tonight. Great stuff from her. And, uh, man, going to be looking forward to that coming up in 2022. Um, Here's the thing. We got some races On the upcoming calendar, Rich France, and uh, some of them, some of them, as you mentioned earlier, have a little bit of a connection to our area.
2: Yep. As I mentioned in the story earlier, CRA Speed Fest coming up in two weeks. Chris Motorsports Park in Cordill, Georgia, Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th, Super Late Models, Pro Late Models, Street Stocks, Modifieds, Legend Cars. What a big show. All going to be there. Uh, Like I said, practice and qualifying is on Friday. And features are all on Saturday, kicking off at one o'clock. Uh, what was it about a twelve-hour drive for us when we went down there? Something
1: like that, yeah. I think that's about right. About yeah. So hours. if you want
2: it, you want you ready for some racing. You want to make a weekend out of it? Head down to Cordill.
1: Yeah, pretty jump, good time. Jumping the family and, bus.
2: And 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 Zach also that weekend. Um, you can probably make about the same drive. Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series opener, January twenty sixth through the 29th at Gold Nile yeah. Speedway in Brunswick, Georgia the 26th is a practice day. 3 nights follow 27th, 28th and 29th with over $37,000 up for grabs over the first 3 nights of openers for the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series. Wow,
1: crazy. Hey, that's going to do it for tonight's program. Again, thanks to Charlie, thanks to Gary and Taylor for being on the program. Um what a great show. I mean, what more do you say? Again, want to say thanks to everybody who uh Um, supported us and and came up and said hello and congratulated us for the uh, fan club banquet award really do appreciate that as well i want to say that one more time so thanks so much for Rich France, my co-host, for Scott Medlin, who pays the bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk, same time, same place, next week, right here on the award-winning Horsepower Happenings.
0: You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to
2: HorsepowerHappenings.com, and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.